CEO of Struck App, Rachel Lowe. We've had coverage in like LA Times, Esquire, TechCrunch. Yeah, so it's been it's been really wild. I grew up in in Palos Verdes where a lot of my like childhood friends I later found out were like going to Trump rallies. And like one of my nicknames when I was growing up was just Asian. It was like, hey, Asian, come <laughs> over here. Tell us everything you want to be. Share with us all of your dreams. Yin and Yang, gotta learn how to... Hi, welcome back to Yin and Yang, the podcast. Uh, today's episode, we have a very special guest, uh, CEO of Struck App, Rachel Lowe. Yay. Yay. Hey. So yeah, this uh, this is exciting for us because um, generally for our for guests, it's usually through our own personal networks. So this is one of the few times where we're we're uh, talking with someone that is kind of outside of our network that we we met through like I guess um, you know through some like like a go between I guess someone someone connected us and I was like oh okay so for, first off um, uh, yeah. My my initial reaction was like ah, astrology, like I, like real talk, you know. And then and then I saw your TikTok about how um, how uh, people who deny astrology very adamantly and very vehemently, uh, there's a connection with with uh, misogyny. And I was watching, I was like, oh shit, oh, <laughs> I'm feeling called out right here, you know. <laughs> I was like, oh damn. Am I, am I the asshole? You know, like what's, what's the, uh, I am, I, am I the asshole? Right. And I think it did make me think of this one time uh, I was, I was with a, a friend, she was female and, uh, and we were talking about this, uh, uh, you know, in the car ride to an event. And I was just like, totally like, nah, I don't know what you're talking about this. She's like, no, no. Like right now it's a full moon. That's why I'm just like, I'm not feeling there, there's something uh, I don't know. She was telling me about some some anxiety she, she was feeling, and she was saying it's because certain um, positions of, of 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 the moon and and the planets. And I was just like, yeah, I, I remember feeling like uh, putting up a wall, you know. And maybe that's something I learned uh, growing up, maybe in America or as an Asian American male. It's 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 I don't know. Anyways, that was my first reaction. But I, I, I but I Wait, asked Dan. Let, yeah. Let's ask. Let's let's have Rachel introduce her app, and then we can go <laughs> from there and talk about the horoscope part. <laughs> Thank you, Dan. Yes, go. No, I love it. That's I love that you just dove right into the most like controversial part of our TikTok. Um, yeah. So our app is uh, an astrology based matchmaking dating app, and it's really been designed to slow down the dating experience. I think everyone's just so used to like Tinder these days, uh, myself included. I have a lot of experience on Tinder. Um, and so we wanted to design an app that made intentional dating uh, a lot more attainable, but was also really fun and interesting. And we did that through the use of um, astrology. So we actually pair users based on their full birth chart, which we can go into more detail on what that means later on. But um, yeah, we, we base matches off of astrological compatibility, but then we also leave a lot of room for people to talk about themselves in a more authentic way, like with or with the with or without the astrology. Um, 
You can't see people's photos until you read their whole bio, um, all sorts of interesting things that are a little bit different than Tinder, but yeah, it's a, it's, it's a new app and uh, we're just getting started. Let me see if I can pull it up. Hold on. So how new is new? So we, I mean, COVID. Uh, So we. (laughs) (laughs) You just need um, to say one word, COVID, yeah. We started working on the app in fall of 2019, which sounds like ages ago now. And we were planning to launch in spring of 2020, which was a great time. Yeah. So we actually like it's interesting because dating apps all have sort of a a really classic playbook when they launch. It's like, you go to a college campus, you introduce it to all the frats and sororities. And from there it kind of grows and, and, and spreads. That's what like Tinder did. Bumble did that, all of those apps. Um, So we were going to do the same thing. We had actually hired our first round of like campus ambassadors at Berkeley because that's where I went. And we actually went up to NorCal, trained them. And then I think one or two weeks later was the official lockdown. So that was like my last trip out of LA. Um, and we had to completely scrap our plans. So instead of launching in spring, we tried to launch in the summer and then Apple gave us a lot of grief. So then it took another two months before we launched in the fall. Um, so we launched fall of last year. So uh, it's been like f- four or five, six months, depending. We've we've kind of launched in different cities at different times too. <laughs> and how is the acceptance so far? It's been really, really positive. Yeah, we it's been in some ways better than we've even expected. Um, we had a really amazing viral moment in January where um, someone, a creator got over a million views. That was about our app. And so we got like a ton of downloads. Um, We've had actually a lot of press coverage and like really big uh, press outlets, which has been very like surreal kind of. Um, And last month we were actually able to crack into the top 10 of the app store um, for the lifestyle section above Hinge. Nice. Yeah. So that was like the really big milestone. So it's been, it's been overall positive. How do you prevent someone from looking at the rest of the, or look at the pictures um, without reading the whole bio? How do you, how do you know when they've read the okay, whole bio? So, so I got, I got Megan here. Hold on. Can I see, can you see Megan? No, let's see. Kind oh, of. No, the, the, uh, your Virtual background. background. Yeah. All right. Kind of like you're going to see how messy that. my room is. Hold on. Let's see. Uh, so, okay. So, so here's, I don't know if you can see it. There's the app. So it's. So they're ca- kind of like little cards. Yeah. Right. And then I can tap it and then I don't know if I could, should I show their face? It's public. I don't maybe know. not. No, maybe yeah. Not. So once you, the whole point is there's like friction between seeing the person's profile and seeing their photos. So you have mm. to tap on the little card to turn it over so you can see right. their image and you'll see more bio information, but actually you can't really see it um, where he's holding it up because it's washed out. But underneath you can see there's actually um, their like priorities in their life. Uh Um, and how they align with your priorities. Cause that was something I felt was really missing from dating apps was like, you know, I'd go on three, four five dates with someone only to find out that, you know, they're super, I don't know. I can't think of a good example, like (laughs) sports, like sports is like, you know, for some people that really is a priority in their life. Right. And that's just something that doesn't mesh with me. And that doesn't mean I wouldn't like date someone who's into sports, but 
when you see that someone is missing, like, like you don't have any similar priorities, then, you know, that's maybe a little bit of a flag to be like, maybe we don't have the same like goals in life. Right. Or if somebody's really focused, we have like even, um, like financial health, uh, as one of the priorities. And for some people that's not that important. Right. So it, I think that is a way of getting some of that stuff out in the open earlier. And how large is um, your team right now at Struck? It's me and my co-founder full-time. And then we have two people helping out part-time. So it's a very, very small team. And we actually, I'll, I'll pat ourselves on the back and say, like, sometimes people see our app and they think like it looks really nice. So then they assume we are like a huge team with a bunch of resources. And it's just us like sending all the customer service emails and like answering all the Instagram <laughs> DMs. So it's a, it's a double-edged sword for sure. And then between you and your founder, who was the astrologer? Neither of us is an astrologer. We have a professional astrologer that um, advises us, like she's an advisor to the company and we're bringing on another one hopefully soon. And, but between me and my co-founder, I'm the like astrology buff. My, my CTO is not as into astrology, but I've slowly gotten him more and more into it. So <laughs> James, <laughs> I was just saying these dudes, what's up with these yeah. dudes? Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, I don't, uh, we can take a little tangent here, but like <laughs> I, I actually studied engineering at Berkeley, but I studied mechanical engineering and material science, which like normally when people are like, oh, there's not enough women in engineering, they're talking about software engineering, which the ratio is not great, but mechanical engineering is like, when I was in school, it's like 5% women. It's like the, it's probably the worst um, gender discrepancy in all any major in college. Um, so I was always like very like, I hate astrology. I'm super STEM, super, you know, engineering focused, all of that. So I definitely had a turnaround and that's kind of why that opened my eyes to what you're talking about with like the misogyny of it. I, you know, women can be, can have, you know, bad takes on, on things that affect women too. So, um, I don't know, we can get into it more if you want, but yeah, um, it's kind of like, Every, there's the misconception that only men can be misogynists, but every everyone, if if the if the tree if the root is rotten, then the fruit's gonna be rotten too. So, I yeah, mean, so every, everyone, you know, we we are part of a racist misogynistic system. And well, uh, and and to your point earlier, it's like I think when you're an Asian American person and like I'm an Asian American woman trying to prove myself in an in a really highly technical field, you know, you you try to align yourself as much as possible with what you're hearing, like everyone else believes. Right. So you're like, Oh, like astrology is illogical. Like, yeah, I hate it. Let's all hate it together. Um, and it took me until I was out in the workforce and started to see kind of how the world really operated that, you know, there's room for nuance in people's lives. And as long as people aren't hurting each other, then like, let them do what they want to do. Yeah, so I, I want to apologize to my friend if she's listening. I, you know, <laughs> I should have I should have been more open to your your uh, your ideas. Um, but yeah, I, I think one thing uh, that I guess uh, to finish my story from earlier was like 
so after I got the email, um, and then I, I sent it to Dan, you know, but without giving any sort of uh, uh, preface, I just said, hey, this person's interested in meeting us. And Dan was like, uh, oh yeah, that seems kind of interesting. <laughs> and I was like, oh, maybe I am the asshole. Yeah, like, yeah, because my initial reaction was like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's, 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 I don't know about this astrology thing, but I, I'm glad that this is kind of why uh, I think Dan and I work well together is that we do give each other sound, we're like sounding boards to each other. And so, yeah, uh, I, so I am really glad that we were, we're getting to have this conversation. And one thing I want to circle back to is a little bit of maybe like your, just to get to know who you are first, and then we can we can build towards, uh, you know, how, how Struck came to be and, and your Apple background as well. Um, so yeah, I mean, uh, so it sounds like you grew up in Culver City area, LA or SoCal, I guess, or? Um, I grew up in LA. I grew up actually in the South Bay of LA, if you are all familiar with that. Um, San Cardino, yeah. Torrance. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I grew up in, in PB actually. I went oh, to Peninsula, nice. yeah. Um, and then I, uh, well, I grew up in PV as a child of immigrant parents. I just want to say, cause PV has a interesting reputation in LA. Um, so I grew up pretty modestly in a very affluent area basically, which was it, that really shaped my like worldview. Um, and then went to Berkeley, studied engineering, um, came out of school. Like I, I was so confused because when I was in college, I was double majoring in engineering, but I also was the weird one who like, I managed the concerts production group on campus. So whenever there were concerts or comedy shows, um, on campus, like that was my group that did that. So instead of doing like engineering honor society, I was doing that stuff. So I always had like a split view of what I wanted to do. I wasn't quite sure which life I wanted to live. So coming out of college, I actually like applied to law school. I committed to law school in Michigan. And like, then I got a surprise job offer from Apple that I just couldn't turn down. And so I went to work at Apple for a few years and deferred my law school uh, admission. And then eventually was like, wait, no, I don't want to do this. So I just <laughs> didn't go to law school. Um, worked at Apple a couple years on, uh, some products called iPhone and Apple watch, if you've heard of them. Oh. And then, <laughs> um, but realize like, like a big company is really for a specific type of person. And I was just like, so restless at, at a giant company like Apple. So, um, basically just tried my hand at smaller and smaller tech companies, did some marketing and branding work and kind of moved out of my technical school training um and then yeah like I'm definitely not someone who's like I'm an entrepreneur I kind of like hate the word entrepreneur it kind of makes me cringe but I it just this idea kind of came up in conversation with my friends and it just felt like everything was sort of pushing me towards doing my own project um I was going through my Saturn return if anybody listening knows about astrology it's like this very infamous point in someone's life it's it kind of roughly aligns with when people have like a quarter life crisis so um that kind of happened and then I was like okay I'm gonna start my own company now so that was the leap I took and uh growing up like um are do you, do you are you the only child you have siblings I have two siblings yeah I'm the youngest of three mm. And then is there, and you, your family, uh, 
are Chinese immigrants or? Both of my parents are immigrants from Hong Kong and they immigrated to New York. Uh, my dad came alone for school and my mom came with her family and they actually met in New York. Um, in, they were both volunteering at uh, the Chinatown Health Clinic in, in Manhattan um, and that's where they met and then eventually moved out to California. So all my family is still out in New York, New Jersey area. Oh, cool. And then as far as like um, growing up, did you have an interest in astrology as a kid or at high school or like what were your interests then and how did they change in college? I I really thought astrology was stupid. Um, I, like my family is like super secular. Like I grew up very, very secularly. I mean, I actually went to church a lot with um, some of my neighbors. My parents had no problem with me like going and like exploring religion, but they themselves are like very secular people. And I would just say our house is very like science based in general. So that was like drilled into me very early on. I was always like doing weird summer science programs and that kind of stuff, digging up fossils. Um, and so with that, I just, I think I, I went through like a very like pouty, like nihilistic, you know, teenage phase where I was like, religion, stupid, astrology, stupid, <laughs> spirituality, stupid. Um, I think like with, with being Asian too, like I, there was a part of me that probably wanted to reject like any spirituality, right? Like my half of my family, like my grandparents, um, were Buddhist, and, you know, we'd like go to the temple and pray. Like, I didn't know what I was doing because I can't speak Chinese, but like there was spirituality involved, right? Or we bow to the picture of my like great grandparents when, when we're at my grandparents' house, right? So these things like, you know, connecting with your ancestors and stuff, like all of that, I think I just was like, this is so stupid. Like, what's mm. the point, you know? And I think astrology is a really interesting thing because it's so ancient and it's existed in so many different societies in so many different ways. Like the astrology that we have in our app is Western astrology. So it's a little bit more modern and it's rooted from like, I think like Hellenistic and Greek astrology, but like there's Chinese astrology, there's um, Vedic Indian astrology, right? There's astrology all around the world. Um, there's like indigenous astrology in the Americas. So it's really this like very like, universal almost practice and um i'm just like the more and more i get engaged with it the more i appreciate that aspect of it then are you going to try to incorporate different types of astrology or are you just going to stick to the the western astrology for now i think just western um the different systems are like quite well, first of all, they're all extremely complicated, right? They're rooted right. in like astronomy. So it's, it's all like really, really overwhelming. Um, and it's, it's interesting because the systems don't, I wouldn't say they're like not compatible. Like they all, they're all rooted in the same kind of like principles, but the nuances don't necessarily align. So they would really have to be like separate apps kind of. Mm, yeah. So if, some, if someone joins Struck, do you, does that mean that they all get like a whole uh, astrological background provided yeah. to them as part of the app? Hold yeah. on, hold on. I'll read mine. Including like yeah. rising signs and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Nice, nice uh, okay, uh, jargon. Okay, my son is in Leo. I'm in the 11th house. 
I'll just read one. Leo's sons are born to be seen. You have a flair for the dramatic that makes you hard to ignore, especially on a first date. Those who are able to break past your exterior, though, will see how noble and self-aware you actually are. With your son in the 11th house, you're a humanitarian at heart. You treat everyone with a fairness that makes you extremely popular, but you're prone to losing yourself in your quest to please those around you. That last line got me. Oh, that last line got me. I was just like, a too real. I was like, a ooh, too real. Ooh, you, you, you're getting <laughs> a little close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there's some other ones I looked at. I was like, oh, but couldn't, couldn't it just, this just be any, you know, like, so that, that's the skeptic. And that's why I appreciate like your app says, oh, skeptics are welcome, you know? So I, I do like that aspect. Yeah. Like our whole principle with astrology and what I realized, like I slowly came around to it. Like when I was talking to my friends was, like, you know, you reading your birth chart right now, you resonated with something that was in there. Right. And my whole attitude towards it is like, even if you don't believe in it, let's say you're like, Oh, like what I just read has nothing to do with me. Like, I'm not someone who seeks the spotlight. I'm actually much more like reserved and I wait for people to come to me kind of a thing. Um, to me, that's like great. Cause then you've still dug into yourself and assessed something about yourself that you probably wouldn't have just said in a day-to-day conversation. It mm. allows you to like dig deeper, be more introspective and communicate those things to other people without it feeling weird or heavy or like strange. And I think that's the real like magic and beauty of astrology is there's this like, it's this tool for communicating with people, whether or not you believe in it. It's like, as long as you're open-minded to it and you read your birth chart, you know, and you find the things that resonate with you and you find the things that maybe don't resonate with you, you're still having that like discussion and that conversation. Yeah. So what was the tipping point that you said, Oh, astrology is actually not too bad. And I mean, was there like a certain event that happened or like, or was it kind of like a gradual acceptance of, Oh, maybe astrology is not, there's some benefit to it. It was definitely gradual. I mean, I could go really deep into (laughs) like my, my career path. I think like part of it was like, you know, this realization that a lot of people have had in 2020 where they're like seeing all the systems that are broken and how people aren't treated differently, you know, in our, in the systems that we live in. And I think that was really new to a lot of people. And I think I had that, like a similar feeling of that, like, like, years earlier, you know? And so that was probably a result of me being a woman going into the workforce and feeling like, yeah, like I was raised that like women can do anything and, you know, you just have to put your mind to it. And I think going into the workforce, I realized that that's only true to an extent. And then after that, it's like much harder. Right. Um, And there's just like a, a reality of that, like a woman in a technical field isn't taken as seriously, you know, or like you have to do like that much more to be taken seriously. Um, and so I think having my eyes open to that and then seeing, you know, like my like black coworkers who had an even harder time, um, all of that in those experiences just made me realize like the world isn't as black and white. It isn't as like fair as I think I thought it was when I was growing up. And this is related to astrology just because, I realized again that there's just more nuance in the world. Like there's more space for things that aren't like totally logical. Like if our, you know, healthcare system or uh, like our, you know, medicine is built off of like a lot of assumptions or like racist ideas or just like testing that's done on like only like 
a certain type of patient, right? So they can't diagnose it in, in people of other ethnicities. Like if, if science and math and, and medicine aren't as like concrete as we thought they were, then like, you know, nothing's like as concrete as we thought they were, or me at least, if that makes sense. Yeah. So then was it because of realizing these kind of inequities in the system did that kind of learn uh, it's like oh what are some systems that are you know me because i'm a son in leo i so so like that are more fair like did you were you looking for more fairness it, it, did that lead you to astrology or someone say hey check out oh mercury's and retrograde and you're like hey what does that mean or something like that yeah yeah, I think I just had a few friends who were really into it and I started to actually like listen to what they had to say. I think I read my birth chart once and I was like, whoa, like this is this is pretty accurate for me. Um, I don't think I was like seeking for something that felt more like equitable. It was just, uh, like I said, I, I had finally found that language. I think, I don't know what your experience is, but for me, like I wasn't really raised to like express my emotions in a very coherent way. You know, like, I think a lot of Asian American people are raised to like, like keep, keep your, yeah. Keep your thoughts to yourself. If yeah. Yeah. You know, you swallow your, your negative emotions and that kind of thing. And it's like, it's not always healthy. Right. We, we, we live in like two worlds where we're straddling that, like figuring out how much to express ourselves. Um, but I basically started to like use astrology to talk to my friends and realize that I was having much deeper, better conversations. And this also coincided with me, like, like realizing I should go to therapy. So I like went to therapy and that was great too. So this all went hand in hand. Um, I think there's, there's like a running joke that astrology is like quote unquote, like the, the poor man's therapy, but it's really just a therapeutic tool for anyone to use, you know, like even with actual therapy. So, um, yeah. So I don't think there was like a specific reason or turning point, but I think there is something to be said about the people who are drawn to astrology. And that's, you know, if you zoom out, it's typically like women, um, the queer community, a lot of, um, like minority communities are very like interested in astrology and I don't think that's a coincidence based off of like power structures and those types of dynamics because astrology gives those people like something to grasp onto and like a framework for the world that otherwise could be really confusing or like unfair or like hard to grasp. <clears throat> it, it did, speaking to you made me think about my mom and um, her and I have gotten to some really heated arguments because she wanted to change my Chinese name because there's a certain part, uh, you know, the Chinese name has a uh, particles, right? Buso, right? And there's like a, there's a person radical in my name, in my name right now. But because I was born in the year of the rat, a person radical scares away a rat. So, and then also one of my characters is Ming, which has a sun and a moon. And because the sun and the moon characters are next to each other in that character, um, it causes imbalance or I'm going to have constant struggle in my life. But I like my name. <laughs> like I, I grew up, well, I've, I've become fond of it. And also my grandparents who, who have now passed, they know me by that name. Uh, so um, 
yeah, my mom and I, we got into it. Like we got really like, and like, she was like, James, here, I've, I've researched for hours. Your Chinese name should be this. I'm like, no, I'm not changing it. And uh, you know what? Anyways, the reason I bring this up is, is I'm very curious about your parents and their connection. It sounds like you have grew up in a very secular family. Were there any arguments between them? They're like, you, you pivoted from, you know, um, you know, from Apple, a very big tech company, to these other companies like Italic, and like, why? Wait, why? What are you doing now? Like, and you're li- you you moved back into the house. Like, uh, what's going on? You know. Well, I'm so curious why your mom wanted to change a name that I'm assuming she gave you. First of all. Okay, so, <laughs> so Dan and I talked about this, but like, uh, the initial reason was because of the strokes. So <laughs> I have. Uh, the, the number of strokes in my name when I was born is actually fortuitous. Mm. However, she, she was like beginner level Chinese astrology. Mm, mm, because mm. then as she got, you know, she had, she's retired now. She has more free time. She started reading <laughs> about like, oh, there's different kinds of rats. There's because I was born in the morning. So there's a water rat and then there's like the fire rat. And then um, uh, what else is there? And then like be- and then like certain radicals within the Chinese name can cause, um, you know, imbalances or something like that. And it, maybe she should, um, she should have done what my parents did, which was not assign me a Chinese name until I went to Chinese school. And then uh, they just made it up. <laughs> um, anyway, so um, did my parents and I get in any arguments? No, I was shocked at how supportive they were. I think my parents... I definitely got lucky on this one because I'm the youngest and I think Mm -hmm. I got lucky too because I nailed like you know that big apple job right out of school so in a way it was nice because I already like proved that I could do that if I wanted to if that makes sense yeah and simultaneously my sister who's four years older than me she was really late to the game but she ended up taking the uh the medical school bullet for my brother and I. So around almost at age 30, she decided to go to med school a little before that. Um, So luckily for me, I didn't have to go to med school. Um, Yeah. I just made like a presentation deck when I, when I realized like I really wanted to work on this and my parents were actually some of the first people I pitched because I was like, if I can get them to understand then I feel like the prospects are good for like broader, like investors and that kind of thing. Mm. And I think maybe it's a testament to the fact that they grew up in Hong Kong, but like we had never talked about astrology. And so I, I pitched it to them. I was a little bit sheepish and they were like, honestly, like we get it, like makes sense. (laughs) And they were like, they were like, is it really, is it really popular with like, like white people in America? And I was like, it's yes. And it's only getting more popular. And they were like, okay, well, this makes a lot of sense. Like, Maybe you can launch it in Hong Kong in the future. <laughs> mm. <laughs> um, Bring it and, to Taiwan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they, you know, they were surprisingly supportive. They didn't care about me moving back. I actually um, did a, pro- I remodeled this house for them because that, you know, they're, they're just really busy. And so I had a couple months off, um, between my last job and when I really started to pick up on this and I was like, okay, I'll be your like project manager. I'll just do all this for you. So they let me move in as a, as, as a <laughs> payment for being their project manager. I moved mm. in on site. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. 
free labor that's that's the asian in a way uh, asian american way right like yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> i i learned to manage you know contracts and vendors at apple so then i could apply that to contractors for for the yeah. house <laughs> I, I used to i used to work at apple retail so oh, i nice. guess we're kind of co-workers in a way but i i my mom she calls me, she used to call me every day about her ipad and like i i literally i had to set boundaries i'm like mom here's a support website. They have a Chinese version. <laughs> uh, please look at that before you call me because I, I'm literally, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna even pick up your phone call now, <laughs> you know, like, and uh, I think she got the message. She, 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 she called, she bothers me less about it, but now. yeah. Okay. Funny. My, my mom brought over the iPad of one of the neighbors who's also like you know, like an older woman. Mm-hmm. And my mom brought her own like Apple watch and had me just like do all of the tech support at once with <laughs> on all these people's <laughs> devices, like last week. So I, I feel that. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, uh, all right, well, there's payment for giving birth to me, I guess. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Dan, like, uh, is it interesting? You, uh, you mentioned, uh, I think what Rachel just mentioned is something that you touched on when you spoke to me about having Rachel on as a guest was like, oh, Chinese culture, this is actually something that we are maybe acclimated to. We're acculturated to. It's something part of our culture, I guess. And then like, is that something that you you and and, uh, your wife are interested in at all? Or is that, no? I don't think so. I mean, uh, I don't think we can... consulted any astrological things before we got married i mean now's the time rachel's here <laughs> i know well, right I, is so it that's, time for a divorce <laughs> no so that's that's a big not difference but i'll say like there's a different focus in the in western astrology versus like eastern astrology for this is very high level but like i think there's a tendency in eastern astrology indian and chinese to like pinpoint like auspicious like dates and events and that kind of thing um and try to like plan your life around those and i know in vedic astrology gets really specific like when you should have like a kid and like when you should get a new job and that kind of stuff Mm. and they they do have that in western astrology like it, it exists but i think especially in like today's in like the way that people use it today it's less about that kind of stuff and more about like yourself and your interpersonal skills and communication and like how you meld with other people's personalities and that kind of stuff. So there's a little bit more of a day-to-day like interpersonal kind of focus as opposed to like, when should I get married? Like, when should I buy a new car? You know, Mm, when should I vacuum? I mean, (laughs) it's kind of the Western astrology and the Chinese astrology when it comes down to it is like the compatibility, right? I mean, I know for my for my my sign, I know which ones are most compatible for me, uh, my, based on my sun sign. But then in the Chinese one, it's a lot more broad in the sense like, oh, every four years you're compatible. The sixth year is like not. Yeah, the sixth so. year. I don't why I don't know why, but yeah. Well, to James's point, I think it's actually you know more complicated. Yeah. If you want yeah. it to be more complicated, if you look at like the different elements within the the animal actually a fun not fun but a fun story was that i like i had the wrong chinese zodiac for 
like 24 years of my life. <laughs> so my birthday was actually yesterday. So I'm a, I'm oh, a, Jan- hey, a late January. You. Thank you. Happy birthday. <laughs> so I'm a late January birthday. And I just grew up knowing like 1991 is uh, the year of the sheep. All my classmates were sheep. Everyone was a sheep. And I was like, I'm a sheep. And then I got to like age 24 or something. And my birthday was on Chinese New Year that year. And for some reason, that was the first time it ever clicked to me that, wait, like Chinese New Year is not, you know, on January 1st. And so I looked it up and I was actually born in the year of the horse. And my parents (laughs) didn't even tell me either. So I lived a lie. So you're, yeah, you're before the cutoff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, So then, wait, horse. Okay. Does that change your perspective? Yes, I'm much more of a horse, I think, than a <laughs> <laughs> I think, uh, um, So I'm curious as far as um, your, own, your own personal journey with dating and astrology, have you, have you used some of the tools for yourself as you were developing, developing this app? And have you, are, have you or are you a customer as well of your own product, I guess? Yeah. I'm a customer in so much as like I use the app to make friends and like just ask people about their experiences on the app. So I've actually met a lot of really cool people so far just just being on there, but I am in a relationship right now. So I'm not using the app to find a date, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, like obviously there's been an impulse to like do a bunch of charts readings with my boyfriend and figure out, you know, are we compatible? And the answer is our charts are horribly incompatible. <gasps> um, <laughs> oh my gosh. Like really bad, like oil and water. But the whole, the whole idea of like compatibility is interesting because a lot of people think that astrology is really prescriptive. Like if you're not compatible, like just stay away. Like it's, you know, whatever. But I think what they don't realize is there's still um, a sense of, what's the word I'm looking for? There's like self-determination involved too. It's not just like like destiny. So, you know, the idea of like a birth chart is like you're born with a certain set of like characteristics or like inclinations towards certain characteristics, but you still live a life as a human, right? Like making your own decisions and all of that. And you know, things happen to you that you can't control and things happen to you that you can control. And that affects who you are as a person. So it's not just your birth chart that's determining this stuff. And so there's a lot about like two people have, who have a really compatible chart, they might not like, they might not have chemistry or like one of the people may like just be in a really bad place mentally. Right. And that's not going to be conducive to getting into a relationship. And that has nothing to do with the birth chart per se. And likewise, you can have really bad charts Um, but you can have chemistry and typically what, like what the astrologers we talk to say is that if you have good charts, it just means there will be like a more natural flow to, to things. It'll be a little bit easier, but that can sometimes be boring, right? Like easy doesn't mean good necessarily. And likewise, you can have incompatible charts and that's going to mean there's a lot more effort involved and a lot more like purposeful, like discussion and conversation and that kind of thing. Um, but it can still work too. There's also like a lot of the, um, you know, the idea of, uh, you know, yin and yang. Um, so people might have incompatible charts, but they have like, it's very like complementary, So it's very balanced, even though it's not harmonious, if that makes sense. Hmm. Like, <laughs> it makes like, sense. Yeah. sorry, go yeah. ahead. 
Well, I was just going to say, so my, my boyfriend is like, a, has a lot of water in his chart and I have a lot of air and earth. And so, um, you know, that means he's like good with his emotions and that kind of thing. And I'm a little bit more like logical and like, I don't know, whatever you want to say, type A. Um, and so we kind of like balance each other out in that, in that way. Were you ever a fan of Avatar The Last Airbender? Yeah, I, okay, I was a fan, like, in whatever middle school. Yeah. And I, I thought I was the only one who watched that show. And then, like, come to find out this year that, like, everyone loves Airbender. <laughs> and I just had no idea. I thought I was, like, a, a huge loser. <laughs> I mean, I probably oh. was, to be fair, but. <laughs> I, I had heard about it. And I, so, again, this is my, this is some of my own issues I'm working about. So, same thing with astrology. I have a certain I have certain ego barriers that I, I'm recognizing as I'm uh, maturing. Um, so yeah, logic would be my barrier to astrology. Uh, um, pride and age. I was already like post college when I had heard about it. I'm a little bit older than you, and and I, I was like, oh, I'm not gonna watch a kid show, you know? Like I I can watch other stuff more mature. And then I think it was like um, yeah, a, f- a few years uh, like maybe just like two years ago. I was like, you know what? It, it, it was po- it was popping up on my social media somehow I don't know maybe algorithm but I was like let me watch an episode and like whew, I got hooked like I was like yeah so anyways I bring it up tangent so are you like are you Zutara or are you uh are you a what's the other one Katang like do you believe <laughs> like Zuko fire <laughs> fire nation or or Katara she's water do you think so they- yeah yeah go ahead I haven't watched the show since way back when I actually was just thinking I want to rewatch it. So I don't remember anyone's names, but I have a lot of air. So I guess I would be an air or I mean, earth bender. I don't know how it translates (laughs) to your system. I mean, it's like, I mean, the elements are like the same, like that's, that's one really common thread. I think amongst all of the different sort of types of astrology is like the elemental stuff. So I think that's, pretty consistent oh interesting and and the different elements represent like roughly the same things so yeah like earth is very grounded very stubborn very hard-headed but very determined Mm. and then air is very like um intellectual you know your head is like in not in the clouds like you're you don't have thoughts but you're just very um intellectual and and social sometimes mm. in some settings um fire is like fire what you think like fiery personality very like you take risks you uh just like go out there and do something without yeah. thinking and then water is like emotional empathetic very caring nurturing mm-hmm. um, but sometimes overly emotional right so i'm still hung up about that because I, I think the fire guy <laughs> should have got with the water girl. But anyways, so the, your relationship just made me think of that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so let me see. What's my element? I'm gonna hold on real quick. What's my what? Where can I see my uh, my what well, my element? Well, you're a Leo, so a Leo is a fire sign. Oh. What what what's your sun, moon, and rising? Sun in Leo, eleventh house, and then moon, moon is in Pisces. Oh. And then rising in Libra. Oh, well, I don't know what that means, but okay. So <laughs> sun in Leo means like you already read that Pisces, yeah. uh, Pisces moon means that like 
in your deepest like heart of hearts like when you're alone when there's you're not catering to like the world around you mm. you're a very like dreamy like uh somewhat emotional um kind of person like you you're very idealistic almost and mm. you may have a lot of like very creative pursuits which i can actually see a guitar behind you too uh. so uh, the musicians are typically like associated with being like Pisces and then um, Libra rising is, means like how you come off to others. So Libras are very social um, and very like easygoing. And so when you first meet someone, you probably come off as very like, like very easy to engage with um, that kind of thing. So does that sound right? Was that, was that your impression of me so far? <laughs> I think you, you, you definitely seem like a Libra Leo kind of, per- I mean, you have a podcast, so yeah. that, that's I, in I, itself proof. Like right now, just like, just listening to you, I, I, I literally felt like I was in like the, ther- like the, the patient's chair of a therapy room. I was just like, Oh, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Tell me, tell me about myself. You know? <laughs> I, I want to know Dan's uh, big, yeah, screen, but Dan, he, he probably doesn't know. I don't know the moon. I, I know I'm a Cancer and a Leo sun rising, but I don't know the moon rising. Cancer. Sorry, what month were you born? July. July is that's Cancer. I'm so bad at the days. You're like a, if you you're a Cancer sun, like you just tell like when people ask you, say you're a Cancer. Yeah. Or you're a Leo. Cancer. I'm a Cancer, and then oh, well, Leo rising. Leo rising for sun. Mm. So, I don't know the moon. I don't even know how you. I know the sun rising is based on your birth time. I don't know. All, they, all of it is based on your birth time. So it's basically what it really is is like if at the exact moment you're born in the location you're born, you were able to take a snapshot of the sky. Yeah. And and roll it out like a map into like a flat, right? Flat thing. Um, it your birth chart is just saying where all of the planets were um right. when you were born so yeah i could get really deep into it but <laughs> um, so have you like absorbed a lot of that information from working with yeah so i mean i was already really into astrology before this just okay i don't think i made that very clear i was personally into astrology and then i realized how good of an idea this was and then i did a ton of research and i've learned even more about astrology but I just never call myself an astrologer because there's some astrologers out there who have done like years and years and years of, of, um, learning. And I don't want to put myself on that level at all, but I can do like a very basic birth chart reading and that kind of thing. I I find it very interesting that your background is very, what's the word, uh, right. Was it left brain? Yeah. So logic and that you, it's kind of interesting how some people's lives, they, they, they're like, it's like a, it's like a wave or a pendulum, right? You kind of shifted from a very left brain or a very logic mindset. And now you're towards astrology, which has its own logic, I would say, right? Uh, what was that? So I, I'm not sure. I'm, very, I'm still very curious about that pivot. You know, if, if there, it doesn't seem like it was a specific moment but it was more of like maybe was it a disillusionment with like these systems of the stem systems especially in the bay area where it's very um i was just gonna say (laughs) i mean i grew up in mopitas next to man jose they call it you know san jose right so um the heart of silicon valley so um yeah yeah 
I was going to say the Bay area will do that to you, especially like in the past 10 years or so. So I was up there for almost 10 years total. Um, and I think you, you hit the nail on the head with like the idea of like disillusionment. I think with like everyone else, this is not like new or interesting knowledge, but you know, like the election of Trump, for instance, I think opened up a lot of people's eyes to that. The world wasn't like quite what maybe we thought it was. And, you know, for me too, like I grew up in, in Palos Verdes where a lot of my like childhood friends, I later found out were like going to Trump rallies and like Ooh. all this stuff. So, <laughs> you know, it, it was, it was really eye-opening. I mean, I, ha- I, oh, I, again, I don't know how deep you guys want to get into it, but I like reflected back on some of the stuff from my childhood. And like, I realized like one of my nicknames when I was growing up was just Asian. It was like, Hey, Asian <laughs> come over here. And, and like, you know, when you're a kid, you're like, ha ha, like, that's so funny. And now I look back. Yeah. Now I look back. I'm like, wow, you were literally referring to me by my like race. Like, I don't know that just, and uh, you know, all my friends were white. So Mm. little, little experiences like that. I think I, I like started to open my eyes to, you know, you can overlook those things and they seem very like small at the time, but I think those things add up over time. And you eventually kind of realize your, your place in the society that like, wasn't necessarily built for you right so you can operate and have a successful life and be like complacent and that's great but I don't know my chart is I'm an Aquarius sun and then I'm a Virgo moon and a Virgo rising and Virgos are like probably like your classic engineer like very type a very 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 organized spreadsheets all that kind of stuff but Aquariuses are Aquarians are like very humanitarian and like very weird and don't adhere to like social norms. So I've always been like, I think pulled in two directions too mm-hmm. with like my birth chart. And so that might explain the pivot to you. Like, I think I grew up very Virgo E and then I had a, an Aquarius moment. <laughs> mm. I wonder I'm sorry. I'm just, uh, I'm just okay, signing up. You're signing up? <laughs> Yeah, just yeah. to like see what the sun signs and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, you should figure that out, figure it out. Yeah, and then we can we'll we'll circle circle back. Um, I know. I want you to read your descriptions and see if they resonate with you. <laughs> um, another thing that made me think uh, is another huge thing in the last you know uh, seven to ten years was the Myers Myers Briggs personality test. Right, mm-hmm. there's companies that would actually pay for the employees to take it like a very professional one. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm wondering, have you looked at these other systems as well? Is there any correlation? And that, that's still Western, I, I, you know, and it's, I guess it's science-y, right? Yeah, yeah no, I, it's actually really interesting that you bring that up because I think a lot of, some people will say like both astrology and Myers-Briggs are dumb and those people just hate both of them. But there are a big group of people who I think would say astrology is really stupid or harmful, but they love Myers-Briggs. And the funniest part about that is like, the, if you look at the history of Myers-Briggs, um, it's actually like rooted in astrology. Like the, mm-hmm. like all of the Freud, Freud era psychologists, like Jung, Freud, all those guys were actually like into astrology. And so a lot of their early, like psychological, you know, not typecasting, but, you know, putting people into different types of psychological like boxes and figuring out different types of personalities, a lot of that had inspiration, I'll say, at least um, from astrology. Mm. Yeah, I was wrong. I'm a, I'm. It looks like I'm Moon in Capricorn, and rising in Virgo. 
Oh, okay. I was like, you're not a Leo rising. <laughs> a Leo rising would be really like, like not necessarily loud, but just like kind of like in the spotlight. Mm. Um, but your that actually, I mean, I know everyone will say like, oh, that seems right, but that seems pretty right. <laughs> so like a Capricorn moon is like your deepest heart of hearts is like, you're probably pretty traditional. You're very like family oriented, um, not as like loud or out there. You're more like kind of like show, like show don't tell kind of like a thing. Like you'll, you'll just get stuff done. And that's like proves that you're not worth, but like your values. Um, and Capricorns are, are notoriously the ones who like don't believe in astrology because they're just very um somewhat stubborn I don't know if you have any stubborn tendencies Capricorns can be quite stubborn um but yeah very very like driven and focused and somewhat traditional and then Virgo rising is same as me so you might have some like you come across as very like grounded but maybe like a little bit um type a or a little bit like like if you like lists, that's like a, a characteristic of Virgos usually is like you like making lists, like grocery lists and stuff. Um, yeah. And you're a Cancer Sun? Yes. And the Cancer Sun is like like uh very, very empathetic and caring for others. So, so hopefully my wife doesn't like look at this app and say, What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> I feel I feel like those are great traits for a husband to have. I, well, thank I would- you. As far as me knowing Dan for 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 a while, I would say yeah, I would. I, there's some there's some there's some connections to Dan. Like I'm curious, what's what's your feeling on hearing that kind of reading? Or, I mean, I, I've I've heard the cancer parts before. Um, I'm married to a Capricorn, so mm. there's that part. Yeah, that's a good. Like if your sun or your moon and your moon are similar, or like my sun and their Venus, there's certain planets that like if they're the same, it's a, it's a good relationship. So if she also has Capricorn, that's like a strong tie. Cool. <laughs> is it interesting? This is like, it's pivoted to everyone's uh, astrology. Let's just do chart reading. readings for everyone. <laughs> so as far as um, the app now, how, how, how's that? It sounds like you're doing well, or you've, you've been in uh, hype Bay, uh, Esquire, um, yeah, and I saw that uh, for, yeah, through all the, even though you had the Apple background, you, Apple was giving you a bunch of trouble. What's the... <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, I threw a fit over that because I, I really do feel like that was the sort of covert misogyny. So not to bring it back to this, but, I, you know. Fuck them, fuck those misogynists. Yeah. <laughs> when you look at it, right? Like, so they had actually, the reason they weren't letting us in is that they banned the entire category of astrology. That's what they told us. They were like, your app cannot be accepted because we're not accepting any more astrology apps. So they went so far as to tell us like, we should just change the concept of our app, which was, you know, just really changed the app. Um, But, you know, in their guidelines, what they list as spam is not just astrology, but also fart apps and burp apps. And to me, you know, it's, it feels like we're very much like one of these things doesn't belong, right? Astrology, yeah, yeah. fart, and burp. So just that list alone felt a little bit insulting to mm. people who believe in astrology. Um, and then on top of you know, they kept saying, oh, astrology apps tend to be spammy. Like they will have 
um, uh, bad billing practices and they'll keep charging people. And I understand that there are spammy astrology apps, but guess what? There's really spammy like sports apps out there and there's really spammy like games, right? Like games are the most spammy category of app and they have no issues. So, um, to me, that just felt like a very arbitrary restriction to be like, okay, astrology apps are just out, right? Like it's, it's, it's a judgment call at that point that somebody made like that this isn't valuable enough to mm. counteract the spamminess of some of the apps that are out there. Um, and so anyway, we got through, it was a whole process of, of making a lot of noise. Um, but yeah, we're, we're doing well now. Like you said, we've had coverage in like LA times, Esquire. I don't know. Uh, uh, like blanking TechCrunch. Well, yeah, TechCrunch. Yeah. Yeah. So it's been it's been really wild. I mean, I don't know. I'm I'm a person who's like pretty private most of the time. So just even having my name out there is like really funny to me and weird. <laughs> but um, yeah, we're we're you know we're still really new and we're doing our best as like a team of two and a half, three people basically. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, yeah. but it's been it's been been an interesting ride so far how did you recruit your cto your co-founder so this is probably the most san francisco story i could tell um i had a friend of a friend and I, we i wanted to move into a new house because i was starting a new job and i needed to be along the like bus bus route that all of these tech companies have and so i connected with this friend of a friend and we were like okay um let's get a house together and he was like okay i have two more friends that want to move in with us so I didn't even meet these other people. We just signed the lease and moved into this house. And and one of them (laughs) ended up being my, now my future CTO. Um, We all worked at Apple, but we were all on different teams. So Mm. it's just kind of like coincidental. Um, So we met each other because we moved into the same house at the same time. Oh, nice. And how, how is your charts like as, as, as coworkers? They're pretty compatible actually. Yeah. He has a lot of air in his chart as well. Um, yeah, we have we actually have pretty compatible charts. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's very interesting. Yeah, it, it's hearing you talk about the elements because in in, um, in Chinese astrology, there's like sui, water, mu, uh, wood, jin is metal, um, tu is earth, and then uh, shu. What's the other one? Uh, qi. Qi is well. I, I don't know if they have. Qi. I think yeah. I would say maybe qi is air, right? But yeah. it's, it's interesting because the way they do it is like, oh, what, you know, water, you know, breaks down the, uh, it's like the elements, they, they form a, a cycle, I guess. Is that similar mm-hmm. to the, the Western system, I guess, or? It's like similar, like, uh, someone may come for me because this, this part I don't, <laughs> I'm not as knowledgeable about, but I, I remember researching that, like, the compatibility of different elements is kind of rooted in that idea. So, like, um, water and earth don't do well together. Cause it, when you mix them, you get like mud, mud, which is this like, yeah, not like a very nice substance. Um, but like, I don't know. I'm, I think like air and fire do pretty well together. Cause you know, they feed up on each other. Yeah. 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 So yeah. actually it's, it's a, so like water, wood, fire, earth, and metal. So water, uh, you know, 
water grows the plants, makes wood. Wood, you know, you can cause fire with wood. And then uh, when fire is burned, burnt out, there's earth uh, from like, you know, the ash. And then in the earth, there's metal. And then, and from metal, somehow water comes up. Anyways, um, so yeah, we're coming up on the hour now. Uh, I, I had a, a I had a few questions um, I just wanted to get before we wrap up. I mean, uh, I had two. One was um, dating. So it's interesting that uh, Sarah connected us because maybe she had saw in our, in, in our podcast, Dan and I, we do talk about dating. And a lot of times uh, what I've noticed just from listening to our own episodes sometimes is, is me venting my frustrations of dating to Dan. <laughs> who's married <laughs> this is like a common theme in, in, in our podcast and it's something I'm hoping to maybe pivot from or be more mature about but what has been very interesting is that I'm not alone I think there's a very terrible feeling of loneliness when going through this dating scene especially here in LA and also uh there is the added pressure as as far as um the the data has shown from OkCupid is that Asian American men have a harder time on these dating apps. So I'm very curious about like, yeah, uh, sorry. Well, you, you know, the tide might be turning in your favor. There's been a lot of um, chatter about how K-pop has made Asian American men uh, a lot more in demand. It's not for great reasons because now Asian men are kind of facing the same thing that Asian women face, which is like the fetishization of, of the Asian culture. But, <laughs> yeah. you know, maybe it's better. I mean, maybe it's still just better because you'll have more prospects. Um, but I totally agree with you. And that's a real thing. Asian men and black women have a really hard time in the dating, in the dating world. Right. Um, and that's, oh, there's so much to unpack there. But I also just think <laughs> that part of why we made this app was like like realizing that tinder and these other dating apps are not made for good connections when you really mm -hmm. think about it right like it's antithetical to their product model to have you or to their business model to have you like find a really good relationship and then leave and like never come back to their product uh. right it just doesn't make sense to them so even when we're talking about once you get it, let's say you find someone on Tinder, right? Which lots of people do. There's this idea that the culture that Tinder's created and the literally a very addictive swiping product mm. makes you like crave that swipe and also the um, sense of like self-worth that you get when you match with someone. You crave that even once you find someone, right? So even once you are out of Tinder, you aren't as satisfied with your relationship. Um, there's also the whole psychological concept of like um, choice paralysis or decision paralysis, right? You know, do you know the JAM study? They, the psychologists like put out, you know, at a, at a sample table, like 18 types of JAM and they had people come by and, and test them. And then they mm. test, they, they had them buy one and they checked how satisfied they were with the decision they made. And the people who chose from 18 jams were much less satisfied than if they were only given four jams as an option. Mm. So this idea, because you always are thinking like, oh, I could have had something better, right? There's something oh, better out there. So that's why there's only four options a day, huh? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And so we really wanted to like shake that up. And so it's been an interesting process because some people really love it and some people really hate it. And it's, it's really, 
I think a lot of people don't realize how much they've been like conditioned to just like the swiping action. Yeah. 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 And, you know, it's kind of based off of, you know, slot machine sort of kind of um, tactile feelings. I mean, that's the same social dilemma, but yeah. No, no, no. And that's, that's true. All of that's true. And, and, you know, you, you talk, your point about loneliness, it's like, I think social dilemma makes this point too. It's like, if we have more technology than connects us ever before, and we have more social media networks and all that stuff, like, then why are rates of loneliness and depression, like at an all time high, right. Especially Mm. amongst young people. And it's because the products aren't designed to have good connections with people it's just to connect with people in like a very superficial way mm. so so that, yeah. this is all to say yeah yeah so that leads me to my question as, as as far as your own personal journey with dating was and this might be personal you can you can opt out or not uh, if you <laughs> but um what was your personal uh feelings towards dating i i know that i voiced some of my frustrations and i'm still single i've, I've been single for a while and I think part of it was because I did have that addiction towards um, that getting that swipe or getting is like even when I was in the date, you know, and if there was just something slightly off, I would be like, oh, don't worry. I got 20 more uh, on Coffee Meets Baby, you got 20 more choices a day or Tinder. I have like, uh, you know, if I get the free version, I could get like 50 swipes or something a day, whatever. <laughs> so, so there is this lack of... Um, presence i think in, in, in or this lack of trying to make things work because of the paradox of choice that you uh, there's paralysis and there's also the paradox of choice so it's where mm-hmm. like the choice uh having more choices yeah like you said leads to lead more dissatisfaction with the actual choice itself so i'm curious about your own journey with with dating it, did that lead you to to this app or was it something else no, no, it was definitely my own experience. So I, so again, I'm a double Virgo, which means again, spreadsheets galore. Like I love spreadsheets. You have a spreadsheet um, for dating? I just started one. <laughs> so I was just going to say, I did have one at some point. I didn't keep up with it just because I, it felt, I no judgment to you, but it felt like unethical or something at the time. This was yeah. like years ago. So right, I, was, yeah. I was like, yeah. I feel like it's more commonplace now. Um, but because I'm a double Virgo, I was like, I treated it like a hobby. Like I was like, okay, I'm just going to go on like three or four dates a week. And I, I swear I probably went on like over a hundred dates over the course of my time in San Francisco. And for me, it was like, fine. There were parts obviously I didn't enjoy and it wasn't all great, but, but I met like a ton of really interesting people. Some of my really close friends now are people that I met on dating apps originally. Um, and so like part, part of it was definitely that I looked around and saw that my friends like weren't having the same experience as me. I was definitely the outlier. Like it worked for me because I treated it like it was like a hobby and it didn't work for anyone else who didn't see it that way. Uh, The other thing I think that's interesting is like, I think people put too much pressure on these online dates. And if you actually, you know, counterintuitively like remove the pressure, I don't know, as an example or like an, 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 analogy dan i don't know if you have any experience with this but i've heard like as soon as you like stop trying to have a kid like you'll it's just like easier to get pregnant for instance so i think there's something to that when you just like stop putting like so much effort and pressure onto an outcome um it's more likely to just like happen and so i think the same thing happens in in like the online dating space but yeah it it was born out of not my experience but my experience and then watching the experiences of my friends that were not 
aligning with my experiences. And I was thinking, why is this the case? And that's kind of how we ended up down the rabbit hole. Oh, so you wanted to make it more of a hobby or more fun, I guess, the, the dating experience. Well, what we really want to do now, it's like a different era too. Like our, our whole thing is like, if you spend five minutes on our app and it feels more meaningful and intentional, that's great. Even if it just means you said no to someone, like the point is you're making choices, right? So we show you four people per day and you have to choose, or you can only choose one per day. But what that does is it makes you choose out of a selection of people. Tinder doesn't make you choose. You get to choose yes to everyone if you want. Right. Yeah. And then you just don't have, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And then you don't have conversations with any of them because there's no, there's no cost or risk involved. Right. It's just like, Oh, swipe. Right. 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 If you're given a set of four people and every day you have to pick one that you want to message, it's inherently changing like the psychology of like how you're approaching that person. And on the other end too, if you receive a message, it means that somebody chose you out of four people to talk to, right? So it's not just, oh, I like, I wasn't even looking at the screen. I was just swiping right, which is what men do now, right? Mm. On Tinder. That's like what men, that's like the strategy that works for them. Right. So yeah. Anyway, I, I could go on (laughs) dating app theory. Oh, that's actually pretty interesting though. I mean, did you come up with, was it like always the plan to have just the four choices? Were you like, as a conscious effort to like, oh, or did you like come to that as you were developing the app? I was like, oh, you know what? These are the things that are different that I don't like from Bumble and Tinder and and, and all the other. I think we always knew we were going to do that because when you're pairing people based on a birth chart, it's inherently like a different criteria. Like Bumble, Tinder, Hinge, the only things they're pairing you to people based on is like your attractiveness, right? They're based on swipes. They're basically assigning you like an attractiveness score, if that makes sense. Yes. And so for us, we're not doing that, right? It's just purely based on your birth chart. And so providing just like a few higher quality matches. And, you know, that's subjective, of course, but we would say they're higher quality matches based on your astrology um, means that you can just have a better shot at like just fewer people and have more conversations and have a better conversation with like one person every day rather than a million, you know, your inbox on Tinder is just like empty because it's just matches, but no conversations. Mm, (laughs) Like a numbers game, right? Like the I guess. Yeah. yeah. And, and here's, here's the interesting thing about what we've done is like our app skews towards women, right? There's more women on the app than men versus on Tinder. There's more men than women. But what's interesting is the way that we've created the UX. What we've heard is like men on our app and, and, and James, maybe you, you need a little more time on there, but men on our app have like an amazing experience because they're just like flooded with messages from women, which is such an unusual experience. And so then these guys (laughs) can be a lot more engaged and, you know, there is like something really demoralizing when you're a man and you like keep swiping and like no one's matching with you. Right. Tell me about it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But that's how it's all designed. Right. It's all designed to be like psychologically torturing to you and you just can't get enough. Um, And so like now it's just completely the, the script is flipped. Right. If you're willing to be open-minded to someone who like believes in astrology, which isn't that big of a leap anymore, like, 
then you reap the benefits of like just being in that space with those people who are like willing to reach out to you, a lot of which are very beautiful women. Um, and you know, the prerequisite is just be open-minded and like, and be considerate of other people. That's like, that's really it. So. Yeah. What's interesting. There's no ethnicity, uh, preference, which is a filter on all the other dating apps. And I, was that a conscious choice as well? Yeah, it was. And, you know, I I won't say like, never say never, but I I do think there's just something really potentially toxic about just like preemptively screening people for race and stuff. I I understand that people can have a preference. Of course, that's just like a fact, but you know, like I, I, I like, maybe this is too idealistic, but I like to think that everybody out there, if they found the right person, like it wouldn't matter what race they were, you know, Mm -hmm. like you don't know until you like give the person a chance, even if you have a preference towards something, I guess the only place that it becomes very important in my view is like, if you have like a very strong cultural reason that you're, I, I mean, and even that I don't necessarily agree with personally, but I know that some people have like, you know, religious uh, sort of obligations those people probably wouldn't be on our app anyway just right. because of the nature of it so that frees us up I think um but yeah I would like to think like you know you, you could say like oh I don't like Asian men or whatever which I hope no one says that but you know if you meet like a great Asian man then who cares you know right. it's I mean it just it's it's so silly I don't know <laughs> yeah well James you'll have to try it and come yes. back and let me know how it is yeah, yeah. So, maybe this will become day, but, this will uh, be the recurring bit now as his struck matches right right i'll come back to this I'll, you'll get free publicity i'll be like so today i <laughs> um yeah so i guess uh the, as as we wrap up i mean um yeah it made me think about uh i i do practice some meditation uh, nowadays and one one thing that one of my my zen teachers says was like well you don't the name zen is just a name like if you came across a christian uh a teacher or a uh, or a, a muslim teacher and you connected and there was this real connection then you know be christian be muslim whatever and and i think that's similar to like the whole race thing is that some sometimes we preemptively screen people i, I was watching a youtube video she she wouldn't date uh men who were shorter than her, you know, at all, you know, it's either, you know, a few inches tall, but then she's, you know, through weird coincidence, met someone that she really connected with who just happened to be slightly shorter than her, you know? So Mm -hmm. it's kind of interesting. I I think about that now because I think I do have certain preferences from my, my, my dating past, but I do wonder how much is that me pigeon pigeonholing myself, you know? And, and so and this whole thing about astrology, me like saying, oh, I'm, gonna, I'm, the, I'm the type of guy that's not into astrology, basically a fixed mindset versus a growth mindset, you know, and mm-hmm. it's something that Suzuki Roshi's our Zen teacher talks about is beginner's mind is how the, in, the, in the beginner's mind, things are open and there's, there's room for growth. In the expert's mind, it's rigid and things are supposed to be this way or should be this way, when in reality, is that so true? And, and that's why I think it's very uh, interesting that, you know, it's something I'm trying to practice is having more open mind. But anyways, and, and two other, like the other thing you mentioned was like the backwards law that Mark Manson talks about, or 
uh, in Viktor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning, he calls it the paradoxical intention. It's basically is that he, there was a one case where Vic, uh, Dr. Frankl would have a, a patient that sweats a lot, right? We always sweat a lot, like with people, right? And he's like, doctor, what can I do to stop from sweating? The next time you're in a group setting and worried about sweating, instead of sweating five gallons, you want to tell yourself you're going to sweat 10 gallons, you know? Just like sweat as much as possible. And then when, when the guy was in a group situation where he had so much anxiety about sweating, he's like, okay, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to sweat as much as possible. And it stopped. And I think this is very something very interesting with my own dating is that uh, the times where I've, I've, someone has come, like I've, I've made a connection was like when I wasn't trying so fucking damn hard to get like laid or try to get in a relationship or whatever, some sort of uh, external validation. So anyways, that, that was something I really yeah. liked with what, what you said. No, I totally, I, I totally agree with that. <laughs> All right. Uh, Dan, any questions before we go to our last section? Well, Rachel, any other parting words of wisdom for all the people who want to find a match on Struck? No, I think even on Struck, where it's a matchmaking app, it's just like, for me, the key has always been to to take things as they come and not put too much weight on any one conversation you have, but just be open-minded to meeting new people, hearing about different people's lives, making new friends. You never know who could be your next, like, just a great friend to you. And yeah. Or the next CTO. That's yeah. true. Yeah. The next CTO. Or yeah. Podcast co-host or, or partner in other ways. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So cool. So we're going to go to language corner. Yay. Our last section. <laughs> um, so the word I was thinking about was Shang Qing. Shang, Shang means like mutual. Qing means like, it mean, if, if you say Qing Qing, it means to kiss or Qing Qing Qi means, uh, means family or relatives. So Shangqing is like a blind date, right? And then, um, and uh, for the, there's like different terms for matchmaker, but one of them is like Hongyang, which is like red, red lady, you know? Um, and another term is Neiren, like a go-between, someone that uh, uh, matches people together. So that's Mandarin. Do, do you speak Cantonese still, uh, Rachel, or? I don't. Oh, I speak very bad Cantonese, Mandarin, and Japanese. Those oh. are my bad. I I don't even know. I does this have does this word have to be relevant to our conversation? Because no, no, if no, so, no. then I don't have anything. Yeah, yeah. Your, your parents speak Cantonese to each other. I'm assuming, right? Yeah, they they really try to assimilate us, and so my brother, really quick story, my brother only spoke Cantonese until he was like four or five. And then he went to school and they put him in ESL. And my parents were like, wait, our kids need to be like high achieving. So for my sister and I, they just didn't even try. They were like English. You're going to get like a hundred percent on all your English tests. So I don't speak, I speak horrible, horrible Cantonese and pretty bad Mandarin and bad Japanese. (laughs) I think it's kind of a shame because like, I guess, Research now says like your kid can learn both, right? Yeah. Um, oh, that's not true. I, I have siblings. Both my younger brothers, they had to go to ESL and man, it's not so good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, are yeah. they fluent in two languages now though? Or No. No. Mm. They're half lingual. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my dad is like a prime example. He speaks like four or five languages and he had an accent in all of them. 
<laughs> I, I That's do, awesome. I do think it's possible. It takes a little bit longer, but I do think that you can be like fully lingual in, in, in multiple languages. It's just the acquisition takes a little longer. But, but anyways, yeah. uh, any, any terms that you grew up uh, hearing from your parents or, um, yeah, or anything you're learning now? Like, was Japanese something that you just wanted to pick up or? I learned Japanese in high school. Um, I don't know. Uh, okay, I'll give like a very random one. I have a TikTok page that I just do my own thing because I like to cook a lot. And I've been rediscovering my like heritage through cooking um, dim sum. So my word will be yum cha, which mm. is like the Chinese, like the Hong Kong Chinese word for dim sum. It's like the whole event of going out with your family and ha- enjoying the meal together. Um, yeah, very random. But that's been sort of my cultural thread right now is like cooking different dim sum dishes. Yeah, we have to go look up that TikTok. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm down for yum cha because like yum cha, there's no direct English translation. You know, it's like, oh, hanging out for brunch. It, it's yeah, just yum cha. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a very unique, like, cultural thing, I feel like. Yeah. Dan? Um, mine would probably be ikemen. Ikemen means it's usually for a good-looking guy. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Men is, like, the face. Ah. So ikemen, yeah. Ikemen, I think, is, like, the word for to go, but I'm, I'm not sure. They, they also have one for girls, ikegyal, but it's, like, a totally different meaning. It's not, like, a very pretty girl, but it's kind of more like a, a certain look of that. A certain type of look that girl has like usually i think they're more darker complected and then they, they have highlights in their hair but awesome yeah it's a complete i don't know why it turned out that way but it came interesting in. cool all right well uh any anything else rachel or dan no it was great it was great meeting you both i really oh, enjoyed yeah. this conversation yeah this me was very too. fun yeah, yeah i i will say this was better than I expected. <laughs> I, 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 I had my um, hesitations going into it and I realized it's because I'm a misogynist asshole, but like, that's- Yeah, something. that's that's the takeaway. <laughs> that's the takeaway and that's something I'm working on. And you know what? To, to all you misogynist assholes out there that hate astrology, you can change too. You can learn too. You should check out, uh, should check out uh, Struck App. Uh, that's what is that? StruckApp.com. Hold on. Yeah. S-T-R-U-C-K-A-P-P.com. Check it out. It's, uh, you can download it for iOS because Apple finally let it, let it be on the market finally. And um, yeah. Thank you so much, Rachel. Thanks, Thank Rachel. Thank you. Bye. 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 Bye.